I want you to think back uh, how you first learned about God. Okay, how did you come to know him? I don't, I don't mean just like when you became a Christian, but like what was your experience of, of getting to know God? Let me tell you my story. Sorry, my story started when I was a little kid. I became a Christian when I was really young. I don't know, like five or six. Uh, I don't remember exactly. Nothing was written down, but I have this image of me um, riding a little, those little horses, you know, on the springs, right, that you had, like little kids have. And I remember riding that and then uh, getting off, kneeling in the corner of my room, praying to receive Jesus, and then got back up and started riding off into the sunset. But I totally remember that. But that was just the beginning part. There was so much more that went into this, right? I, I was raised in a Christian home, and so, you know, the values of, of the kingdom were, you know, embedded in me from an early age. But I did a lot of my, my um, understanding of God through the story Bibles that we had, right? Remember those little kids' story Bibles? Uh, through flannel graphs and Sunday school and the songs that we sang in Sunday school. And that was really what formed me at that age. So I look back and I remember that Jesus is a kind man who loves the children, right? He had a beard, he had a robe, he always had a lamb on his shoulder for some reason, like a little Pied Piper, you know, lambs and sheep just kind of followed him, but that's who he was. Uh, my theology was this, that Jesus loves me, this I know, right? Uh, I know that Jesus loved all the children of the world, no matter their skin tone, no matter where they came. He loved them all. I learned that I would stake my life on the B-I-B-L-E, right? That was the book for me. That was really important. Then I learned that if I do all those things, that that would make me a C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-N. Yes, I am. And I have C-H-R-I-S in my H-A-R-T, and I will L-I-V-E-E-T in L-L-Y. Oh, messed up with that a little bit at the end. But if I have Jesus in my heart, I'm a Christian, I will live eternally. Okay, so that was a lot of what I knew just as a little kid. But then I got into junior high, right? And you don't have the flannel graphs anymore, and you don't have those Bible stories and the crafts. You have more just kind of a, a lesson from your youth pastor, and you have different songs that you sing. And you learn a little bit more about God. And so I learned, you know, that there was a, a lot more to the Bible story than just what I read in the kids' Bible, right? I mean, it was a little bit surprising at how much, you know, war there is in the Bible, in fact, I remember like being shocked when I really read the story of David and Goliath from this Bible, right? You know, you, you kind of knew about David and the little sling and the stone and, and, and David is, you know, Goliath is done and, and that's the end of the story. But do you know, like he took Goliath's sword and cut off his head, right? And then he took the head to Saul and said, he's dead. You know, like, whoa, that's not in the Bible story, that I grew up, even this week, you know, in our Bible reading this week, we're in 2 Samuel, and, and it's the story of, of David, I think it was the Midianites, where he laid them down on the ground, and he made a line on every third one. If you had a line, you could live. If you didn't have a line, you were dead. Like, oh, man, there's, there's a lot. Like, I didn't know I was a little kid, and you kind of like, ooh, what is, well, this is kind of weird. Um, you also hear about, like, end times, Right, the, you know, the, the tribulation, this time of terrible persecution on the church. And you hear about the false prophet and the, the serpent and, and the, the beast and all of this. And it's, it's pretty scary. It kind of like scares you into heaven if you're not already there. 
But you, you hear about all this kind of stuff. And, and then back then, this kind of dates me a little bit, but I remember back then kind of growing up and they said, you know, Jesus is returning. There's a thing called the rapture, right? The, the, it's, Jesus is going to come and take the church. You've got to get serious, right? Get serious with what you believe. And I remember back then there was like this, I don't know if it was like local to me in Fresno or if it was like national or whatever, but there was this, like you'd see posters all over that says 88 reasons why Jesus is coming in, eight, in 1988, you know, and they're like really convincing. But 1988 came and went. And so the only logical conclusion is it's 88 reasons why he'll come in 2088, you know, or I don't know, 2000 and 3088. I don't know why well, it had to be in 1988. But that was kind of the, the culture that I grew up in. And so you get a little fearful of, of what could happen. But I also learned that Jesus, um, he liked certain things, and there are a lot of things he disliked, right? Um, he, he, didn't, he didn't like people who smoked, right? Uh, for me, like, it was ingrained in me, like, you did, he didn't like people who wore jeans to church. <laughs> he liked slacks, so I've obviously come a long way. Um, I remember Tommy Shook showed up to Sunday school in jeans once, and I'm like, oh, man, you lost your salvation. Like, this is Tommy. But that's it's where we grew up. You know, you had this kind of this ingrained, like, Jesus didn't like things. He didn't, didn't like what was on the radio. He didn't like Madonna and Billy Idol and Duran Duran, you know, bands like that. Um, he didn't like communists, okay? So I, there's a lot of things he didn't like. And so you, you kind of grow up in that culture thinking, like, God doesn't like these things. So what he likes, you know, are kids that wear slacks, that listen to Christian music, you know, who, um, who are, are, are American and Republican, you know, and vote that way, even though I couldn't vote, you know. But um, it was that kind of thing, and that's kind of how I, I, I grew up through high school. Then I came into college, and what I also learned is God likes people who go to Christian colleges. So I went to a Christian college, right, because secular, that just sounds bad, you know. But, um, but Christian college sounds good. And so I went to a Christian college, but my mind was blown when I saw one day this club that was on campus, on the Christian campus, and it was um, uh, Democrats for Jesus, right? And I, like, it literally was blown. I did not think you could be a Christian and vote Democratic like that. Like, honestly, like that, I really had to, like, what is, what did I learn over all these? Is this really true? Because these people are nice people and they love Jesus, but it was, it was like this conflict, you know, that I had, and I, I really had to struggle through this, where, you know, there's politics, there's American politics, and where does the Bible, is it underneath that, is it on this side, is it on that side, you know, did, did Jesus come for the elephants and the, and the donkeys, or did he come for the lost sheep, like, it was those things, and I had to kind of come to grips with, with where the Bible is, and, and scripture, and theology is over all of that stuff, and all of that submits to him, like Daniel was talking to, but those were things that just blew my mind, but during this time, I also learned about this God who loves his children. And I saw, met this God who really loved me and knew me. And I learned that just through different people that I met or professors. And I just saw their faith and just this, this intimate closeness that I didn't really, hadn't really experienced before. And so I was starting to learn this God who would love me for who I am was less concerned about me wearing jeans or that kind of stuff, but more about loving me. 
But I also learned that this God, he loved, while he loved me, he needed me. All right, he needed me. And we had to get serious. We had to get to work because we were working for God. And so we would go on mission trips because, um, you know, that's, that's what Jesus needed. We would go serve the poor because he needed that. He needed me to do that. And, and we would control our bodies and we would go witnessing, you know, at the piers. I don't know why it's always the pier, but that seems like a great place to go witnessing Santa Monica or Seal Beach, whatever. And we did that. And, and, uh, We'd work for him to get a paycheck, right? And we didn't call it that. But, you know, you get jewels in your crown, right? That was, that was great, you know. And we'd, you'd make jokes like, you know, you go on a mission trip to Mexico or something. You'd come back and like, oh, I just added like 3,000 square feet to my mansion in, in heaven. Yeah. You know, but you just kind of like there's this mentality like you're working for him, like a paycheck. And, and we'd say it, jewels in heaven, but what you really meant was like if I serve God, if I really work for him, then I will get health, right? I'll have a healthy life. I'll have um, some wealth, right, a good job and that kind of thing. And my, my family, like when I, when I get married and have kids, that, you know, they'll, they'll love Jesus too. And this will just work. That's the way it's supposed to work because I serve Jesus. He's going to take care of me. And then you graduate from college and you see that that's not always the way it works. You know, I met people, wonderful people that served God that got cancer. Wonderful people that maybe had a divorce. Uh, someone who lost their job. Or really people that served Jesus but their kids did not follow suit. Their kids went a different direction. And kind of like, what is it's going on? Like everything's unraveling. All these things that I've been learning over the years, maybe they're not, that's not all there is to it. I mean, there's truth to it. There's bits and pieces of truth, but it doesn't seem to be all of it. And so I guess today, you know, they call it kind of deconstructing your faith. Um, for then, I think, you know, that's basically what I was doing is like, what did I learn? All of these things that I learned, is that the truth? You know, or is there more to it? Is there, am I missing something? And so as I've grown, and I, I'm still in process. If I preach this sermon 15 years, I hope that I can add to it because I feel like I'm still in process. But where I've come is this back to this understanding of this God who just, he just loves us, right? He loves us, and he's given us Jesus Christ, right, to forgive us our sins, to, but but to show us his glory and to bring us into heaven. There's this relationship. There's this love relationship that it's not on what we do and we don't work for him. Instead, we, we, we are with him. We're with him. We abide with him. We walk with him. We, we lean on him. We enjoy him. And so I've come now, as I kind of look at where I'm at now, I, I feel like I'm much closer to my beliefs when I was five or six years old, you know, than I was when I was in my 20s and 30s. And I, I bring that story up to you just because a lot of us, we learn about God from different places and from sermons or songs and individuals, and, and some of it's right on and some of it's, it's, it's perfect, but some of it we just, we just assume or we kind of try to... Uh, we just kind of put in there, and it's not all, it's not always accurate. Not always accurate. And so how do we get back to that? We're going to start a passage for the next three weeks from John 17. And uh, John 17 is this, this passage that I've been just loving for years. It's, uh, it's a prayer of Jesus. It's his longest prayer. 
right, in the Bible. And it comes kind of at the end of his ministry. I mean, this is just, I don't know, hours before he was arrested and would be killed. It's, he's, he's done all the miracles. He's done all of the teaching with his disciples. And now he prays. And so for me, as I look at this, I'm like, yeah, it's really important that we see what he prays for. We get a long prayer. It's a prayer of Jesus' heart. And I really see that it boils down. All of these things that we've learned, it, boil, it comes down to here to what is really essential. When we look at our lives, when we look at uh, being followers, and as we look at the church. And so that's what we'll be doing here for the next couple weeks. But I want us to look here into this passage. And we're going to just look at the first five verses today. Jesus prays for himself and the success of his mission. And so let me read this for us from John 17, 1 to 5. And it says this, after Jesus had said this, this is his teaching from chapters 14, 15, 16. After he said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. And here we see this passage where Jesus is the eternal Son of God, the eternal Son of God who came to earth to reveal God's glory to us and to open up the way to eternal life. So today we're going to look at that and really we're going to focus on these two, uh, I guess, concepts, glory and eternal life. Glory and eternal life. That the eternal God of glory has given us his son so that we would know him and have eternal life. Okay, so that's what we'll look at. So first off right here, we are invited into God's glory. You and I are invited into God's glory. What does that mean? What's the glory of God? We, if you've read your Bible little or a lot, you've read this word glory. Right? I didn't check how many times it's in the Bible. It's in there a lot. Okay? And so with so many, sometimes when it's, it's so many times, it's actually kind of harder to find. Like, what is God's glory? You know? But it's all woven through there. It's the true character of God. Right? When you look at just the true character of God, that's, God is glorious. It's his magnificence, his worth, his love, his grandeur that's seen just in every interaction when we see the Father, when we see the Son, when we see the Holy Spirit. Whenever we see them, whatever they're speaking, whatever they're doing, it is glorious. It's glorious. The word technically means weight, right? To have weight, to have heaviness. It's praise and honor. So when we look at a few things about Jesus, we see his glory. So what do we see? We see his, his name. His name is glorious. His name is who he is, all that it represents, right? His, his attributes, uh, his divine attributes, and all of those things. These, all of them are part of his glory. It's who he is. He is glorious. 
His ways are glorious. What He does, all the things that He does, how He moves things around and how He works behind the scenes, uh, what He does right there in front of us, all of those things are glorious. His glory is, is right in front of us all the time. The whatever He does, it is glorious. All right, God's presence is glorious. We see that in heaven, right? The angels are around and they're bringing glory. Just His throne rooms full of glory. But his plan of salvation, the work that Jesus did, was glorious. And we'll get into that here this morning. Salvation's glorious. And as we keep moving, as we keep looking, we, we look again because his presence is glorious. Heaven, where he is, is glorious. And, and just I can't wait to see what that glory looks like when we are in heaven. Because that, that's something I've, I've always longed to see. But all these things, him, his ways, the salvation he gives, heaven, all of that is glory. But here's where it gets cool, where it gets interesting. He didn't keep that glory to himself, did he? He didn't keep that glory to himself. That's not locked up somewhere that he is giving that to his people. That's why he sent his son Jesus to bring the glory, to show us the glory of heaven. And if we are in Christ, in Christ is glorious, what does that make us? That brings glory into us. And if we are going to be a part of heaven, if we are going to if that is where we're going to live for eternity, we have to be glorified. Our bodies got to be ready. We are going to be made glorious for that day. And so really when we look at God's glory, it's not just something that's out there. It's something right here. We won't talk about it today too, but it talks about the, the works of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, uh, the saints in Christ. We all bring glory. We're all a part of that right here, right now. So that's where he starts. I, I love these a couple of verses too. This that that he's bringing his children into glory. Hebrews two talks about that. Second Corinthians says, "For all for all of us with unveiled faces, we contemplate his glory. We're being transformed into the image into ever increasing glory." Or as one translation says, that we're being transformed from glory to glory. Like this is not just in heaven. This is something that we as saints, as followers of Christ, could experience. But this is to start off with. Jesus, when he prays this prayer, he's using glory so many times. And he talks about this glory. And it, he says that in verse 5, he says, Remember, bring that glory back to me that I had for eternity since before the world began. See, before the world began, Jesus was living in glory. All right, this is the whole trinity. Just a glorious trinity. They, they lived there. But something stopped. Something changed. And at some point, Jesus said, I'm coming out of eternity, and I'm coming into time and space. I'm coming to this world. Jesus left that glory to come here to earth. Didn't have to, but he was led by the love of the Father. The Father sent him, and he came. He came to this world. He came to this world, he left glory, he came to this world not full of glory, to bring that glory. There's no better verse probably than Philippians 2, 6 to 8, that talks about this, what this looked like when Jesus came here to earth. It says, uh, Jesus, who being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with, uh, with God something to be used for his own advantage. 
Rather, he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance of man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. See, Jesus left glory, and he came to be a human. I mean, he's fully God, fully human, right? But he left his glory. He didn't bring that with him. He didn't use that glory to his own advantage. In other words, as they're down in Jerusalem and they got to go all the way up to Galilee, Jesus didn't say, guys, I'm really tired. Uh, I'll see you up there. Snap his finger and, you know, end up in Galilee and sitting on the beach while the other guys had to walk up. He wouldn't do that. Right? He wouldn't say, man, I'm starving. You guys ready to eat? You know, you know, surf and turf right there. He didn't do that. Could have, but he left that. He humbled himself. He became obedient, lived like a man. But when he did bring the glory, it was God who gave him the glory that he he pushed out. So his miracles wasn't just like, ah, I feel like doing a miracle. It was God coming and giving that glory to him and he able to do that. And so you see Jesus, like he had this glory. He left it here to come to earth. Why? To save sinners, to show us the glory of God. In John 1, 14, it says the word became flesh and he made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Then later on in verse 18, it says, No one has seen God, but, but the one and only Son, who himself is God and is in close relationship with God, he's made him known. So here is Jesus saying, I'm going to make the Father known. The glorious Father, I'm making him known. And if you see me, you see the Father. You want to see the glorious Father, you see me. Jesus came to show us the Father. J.I. Packer wrote a book 49 years ago. Next year will be 50 years. Uh, I read that when I was in school. Probably uh, many of you did. But J.I. Packer said this. He said, if you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child. How important is that, to be God's child? How much does he make of the thought of having God as his father? Everything that Christ taught is summed up in the knowledge of the fatherhood of God. Jesus came to show that glory, but to show it as a father, a loving father for us. That was his mission. So he says this in verse 1. He says, the father, the hour has come. Father, the hour has come. Uh, what is the hour? John had been talking about the hour, and usually up till now you hear uh, the hour has not come. It's not come. The hour being that hour of death, being the time on the cross. That had not come now as he's praying. He says that time is here. Okay, now it's time for the cross. He says glorify your son that your son might glorify you. He said in verse 4, I brought you glory on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. And this is it. I'm finishing this work. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world began. The hour has come for him to glorify God, and he's going to do that through the cross. He's saying, Jesus, will you bring glory to the cross? Will you make that a place of honor? 
The cross is anything but glorious. Right? It is anything but a place of honor. Who was on a cross? The worst of the criminals were on the cross. Right? The murderers, they were on the cross. It is not a place of glory. It's a place of shame. You're up there almost naked. You're being beat. You're being poked and hurt and hit. You're, you're, you're being tortured up there. It is not a place of glory. But Jesus says, I need that to be a place of glory because that's where people are going to see the glory of God. That's where their sins are going to be forgiven, where salvation is going to be found when they put their faith in me on the cross. It is a place of glory. I was trying to think this week, like, what's it compared to around the house? You know, where are those glorious places? And all I could think of the places that were not glorious, right? (laughs) The toilet. Not glorious. The disposal smells. Every now and then you drop a lid in there and you have to go in there and it's all creepy, gross. Think of trash cans. You know, the trash cans that are out, you know, on the curb. Not glorious at all. The shower drain that you have to go every, you know, six months or whatever. Not glorious. If someone came out of, you know, cleaning, you know, the toilets or the shower drain or the trash cans outside and they said, well, that was glorious, we would know the sarcasm is, is deep, right? Because it is not glorious. But that's the equivalent of what Jesus was doing. He's like, the cross is going to be a glorious place. We're told in Hebrews 12, it says, for the joy set before him, he endured the, endured the cross, scorning the shame. Sit down on the right hand of God. Like, he endured that. He scorned it because of what it represented. It was where people would see the glory of God, not just in that moment, but even us now. We'd see the glory of God through that act of love. The Father said, I don't want to be separate from you. I don't want to keep my glory from you. I want you in my glory. And it's going to come through Jesus Christ, who's going to die on the cross as a sacrifice. For your sins. It's a glorious place. That is why Jesus left that glory for us out of love. It's kind of important because sometimes when we think about the gospel, we just think about from Christmas to Easter, right? We just think of what the gospel starts at Christmas when Jesus came and he lived and he lived a great life and then he, he was arrested and he died on Good Friday. He was resurrected on Easter and then he went to heaven and that's the gospel. Do you believe that? It's true, for sure, but we see here in this that it's way bigger than that. It goes from eternity past to eternity future. It's the glory of God that Jesus had that he left so that that he could bring the glory of God to you. So that you could come and be in that glory for eternity. That's our gospel. That's what Jesus did. So as the hour has come, he said, glorify me so that I could glorify you. I want to complete this job to bring glory to this world. So that's the first thing, you're invited into his glory. The second thing we see here is we're invited to know him. Right? We're invited to know God. Again, he's not, he could have kept, you know, all of us from him. We could spend our entire lives searching and trying to, like, I don't think there's a God. I don't know. Instead, he came. He says, I want you to know me. I'm revealing myself to you. I'm going to send my son to you 
to reveal this glory so that you can know me. Right? He says in verse verse 3, what is eternal life? That you would know God and Jesus. You would know the Father and the Son. How can we know him? I mean, many religions, the world religions, it's all about knowing who, knowing their deity. How do we find him? Where do we find him? What do we do? Where do we go? Where can we find him? But Jesus came to bring God to us. Think about that. It's wonderful. How wonderful is that? That we can know God, but that God wants to be known. He already knows us. Right? He already knows us, but now he's saying, I want you to know me. Verse 2, Jesus says, he's grant, For you granted him, Jesus, authority over all people that, they might, that he might give them eternal life to all those you've given. He says, Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. Eternal life. Don't we, when you think about eternal life, do you think about it right here, right now? I think about it down the road. When I die, right? When I leave this life, when Jesus comes back or I die, whatever it is, that's where we'll, we'll start eternal life. But it seems like what Jesus is saying right now is that if you know God, eternal life is starting right here, right now. Do you believe if you believe, you have eternal life. It says that in John 3, 15, 16, and all through the Scriptures. Everyone who believes may have eternal life. Whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. It starts now. That's part of the Spirit working in us. We're a guarantee. Your eternal life has started now. It's not something that you're like, well, I'm going to live my life the best I can and hope that by the end, I'm still in good standings and I can still, you know, then I can have eternal life. If you are in Christ, if you believe in Christ, if you believe in the Son of God that has come down and the Father has loved us, who lives in glory, if you believe in that, our eternal life starts now and that eternal life is knowing our Father. So what does it mean to know God? Here's where we as Americans in our language struggle. Because for us to know is mental, right? It's to know, and it's to know about someone. Okay, I mean, we, we talk about that. We use this kind of in our language. Um, we can go on Wikipedia. You can go on Wikipedia today and know someone. You can know uh, President Biden or Taylor Swift or Billie Eilish, whatever. You can know where they grew up, where they went to school, what they like, all about their careers, you can know them. You can know all about them. You can give all the facts. But do you really know them? Right? Do you really know them? You might even have met them one time and like, oh, I know them. I, I met them. But do you really know them? Because that's one way. This is one way. But in true, like in the Hebrew Scriptures, this knowledge is much, it's not one way. It's two ways. It's intimate. So we can, we, we, if we just stop right on the surface, we can say this is eternal life to know Jesus. Great. We can read Wikipedia about Jesus, and then we can know God. Or we can watch the, the Christmas special on the nativity, and we can know God. Then, then now I'm good. But that's not it. I know people that have 
you know, better understanding of the Scripture than I do, but they are far from God because it's just head knowledge and it hasn't touched the heart. It hasn't changed the heart. So when Jesus talks about this is eternal life, that they would know me, it's that having a relationship. It's being in relationship. It's not just more Bible studies, another Bible study, another Bible, another devotion plan on the Bible app, you know. Okay, it's, it's all of that drawing us into this relationship of love. One theologian says, to know God is to love God. The more you love God, the more you will know him. He says, this is eternal life that you would know me, that you would love me, and that you would know how much I love you. It's not just us loving him. It's, it's receiving that love too. That's a beautiful thing, that God in eternity sent Jesus to come to earth to leave glory, to come to earth, to show us how much God loves you, how wild he is about you, how crazy he is for you. The lengths that he went through, the obedience of Jesus to do that for us is incredible. Eternal life, to know him, to be in that relationship, to be able to abide with him and just love him and know him and and enjoy him. Enjoyment, that's huge. As followers of Christ, to enjoy Jesus, to enjoy our Father is part of our eternal life. That's why he came. So it's to have this relationship, but I would also add just one last part. It's to be on mission with him. To be on mission. And this is where a lot in the American church, I think they stop. It's just, it ends, you know, we know God, we love him, we, it's, let's get another Bible study. Just keep going, keep going, keep going. Let's memorize more scripture and all that. And that's, that's great, that's good. Bible studies are good. But we've got to get on mission. We follow him. We pick up his mission and we continue. Did Jesus come so that we would just, um, you know, like is the goal, the mission to have the Bible memorized? Like, come on, everybody, we've got to get this Bible memorized. Not, no heaven until you get this memorized. Is that what it is? No. What's our mission? Why did, what was Jesus' mission? To seek and save the lost. To bring the glory of God to this world. To show people how much God loved. What is our mission, friends? What is our mission? To go and take the good news. Not keep it to ourselves, but take it out. To live, to share that with people. To proclaim the gospel proclaim the hope that we have, to proclaim the love that we have, to proclaim the glory of God that's showing down on here, that's available for all people. That's why we live the values of heaven. That's why we, we, we seek to be people of peace and grace and love, right? That's why we're we're, we're, we're hoping we're, we're becoming transformed, right? Transforming is key. Or be trans. It's not just to know and all that, but you know, when you love someone, you, you become like them. You know, you adapt, you change, all right, to, to fit together. And, and so, so for us, we're loved by God, and now we change and we, we become uh, less like, like the world. We're not conformed to the world, all right, but we're transformed to Christ. How are we transforming? How are we becoming more like Christ? Join in this mission. 
For those of you who have received Christ, you have received, you've seen the glory of God, you have eternal life, you are in a relationship with God. How well do you know him? Do you cherish being his child? Do you cherish him being your father? Do you love that? And are you growing and are you enjoying those aspects? And if you are, hopefully you're changing, you're being transformed day by day, and we're, we're hearing the mission of God, and we're taking that out. We're not keeping it to ourselves, we're sharing that. We're sharing the love with our community, with our neighbors, with family, with whoever. We pick up his mission and we take it. So I started kind of asking, how do you know Jesus? How have you grown? You know, my guess is we've, we've picked things up along the way. And some of those things are right on and perfect and hold on to those. But some of those things we just got to let go. Like, that's not found in Scripture, right? That's not, it's not what he meant or what he said. And we have to change those things. We have to let go of those things and continue to be conformed to Christ. Conformed to Christ. When Jesus starts this prayer, he looks up to heaven. He says, Lord, glorify me so that I can glorify you. Is that a prayer that you can pray? I've been sitting with that this week. Can I pray that? Because that sounds like a Jesus prayer. You know, it sounds like something that Jesus can, can pray. If I say, like, glorify me, like, what would that mean? But as I look at this passage, as I just look at the glory, if the glory is the character of God, if it's his love, right, his his, um, his majesty, Lord, and if I'm being conformed to Christ, let me, I'll pray that too. Father, may you glorify us, not for us to keep it, but what? So we glorify God, and we glorify God by, by loving him and being on mission and taking that mission to the world. That's a huge prayer. That's my prayer for us. And so for that, my prayer is that you would come to know God. If you don't know him, like if you've never had that relationship, I, I want you to. I, I encourage you to. I pray that you do. I pray that you would come right now to Christ and say, I, I need your glory. I thank you for what you've done. And please take away my sin and bring that glory into my life. Just as you made that cross a place of shame and brought it into glory, may you take my life a place of shame and bring it into glory. May we live that and just love our Father through that. So that will be our challenge this week, right? So as you go through this week, I pray that you keep these verses in your mind. This is eternal life, that we would know God and that we would love him deeply. Follow him, love him, enjoy him, and get on mission. Amen?